Hi there. It is a beautiful Black Friday, uh, day after Thanksgiving. My name is Haley. I'm here with my co-host. Hey, I'm Julia. Hey, I'm Angela. And this is Public Breakdown. Thanks for joining. Uh, We're excited to kick off the conversation today with a discussion about Nepo babies and specifically the people who aren't Nepo babies um, but have lived through that society and uh, can tell the tale. So um, we're excited to to jump in. Um, And I think first we're going to talk a little bit about where we are. Julia, where are you right now? So I'm calling from my childhood home uh, down in Florida, in suburban Florida. Awesome. And Angela, where are you? I am calling in from suburban Pennsylvania, also from where I grew up in my childhood. And I think that's the universal truth about Thanksgiving weekend, is that you always end up in your hometown. I am not in my hometown, though. I'm in my boyfriend's mom's place of residence, which is not his hometown either. So I think I have a fresh perspective. But is it weird? Like, did you guys go out last night? Um, so I did hang out with some of my high school friends, but it's we see each other pretty often. So it wasn't like this crazy, crazy reunion. Um, but we we decided we wanted to do a night where we stayed in just because, you know, we're we're getting to that age. So we stayed in from like six to midnight and then midnight hit and and the wine hit and we thought let's just take a gander at the hometown bar. <laughs> and so we did venture out for a very brief moment before we thought, let's now go home. <laughs> That's really funny, actually. Yeah. But I will say one of my friends from home surprised us with this Jeopardy. It was like a game of Jeopardy based on our high school memories. And so the categories were like tea fights and scandals HRH class of 2016, name that royal. And like, it was just so funny. We played that game for like three hours and just recounted all of our high school memories. And it reminded me how crazy high school was and how like nobody else has had such a. When I ask other people about high school, I feel like they didn't have the same experience, but it was, it was fun to recount. How about you, Julia? No, I stayed in. The median age here is probably like 70, and I'm not even joking. And so there's negative value to be gained from going out and drinking or doing anything of the sort. If I live full-time in New York City, like, there's no point in trying to do anything like that when I'm here. So I took the opportunity to cosplay being old, and I stayed in. Haley, what about you? I did not go out, for sure. Um I think the median age here is also very old. I'm in suburban Maryland, um, but it's a very pretty area. So, I mean, it's it's very nice to just be at the house and like looking out at the Chesapeake Bay, all of that. Um, and I think it's interesting. I mean, I never would have imagined, you know, three to four years ago spending my Thanksgivings in suburban Maryland, right? Like that's new. So I think um, – you know, we just have to take life and all of its twists and turns at face value. Um, and I think that speaks to the truth of the episode, right, Angela? Agree. And I think I was going to just comment on it. So I feel like coming back to these places, like our hometowns or even not our hometowns, like every year I feel like we change so much. And then I come back and I find that nothing has changed. 
Nothing has changed. Except like maybe the McDonald's became a Taco Bell. That's so true. And like that, that's like as big of a change as it gets. And it's very interesting to see. Angela, what was your first job and what do you do now? My first job was an ice cream girl, ice cream scooper, what have you, at the local ice cream shop where cones were 99 cents per soft cone. And now I am a medical student. Julia, what about you? My first job was I was a server at a nursing home um, at 15. And now I'm an equities trader at a hedge fund. That's pretty crazy. I know. <laughs> Haley, what about you? I, my first job, I was, I worked in the back at a pizza place, at a very, very good pizza place, well known in my town. Um, and now I conduct election research um, and political polling for some of the nation's biggest media outlets and universities. And that's that's what I think the theme of this episode is. It is where we came from and where we are now and how we got there. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about our journey to our institution, which is Penn. Um, we all came from you know, different backgrounds from a lot of people at Penn and a lot of our peers. Julia, can you talk a little bit about like why you applied to Penn and your application process? Yeah, sure. So I applied through this program called QuestBridge and I was thinking about it the other day. Um, so long story short, you have to be part of like first gen low income group to be accepted in this program. And then you're able to apply to a ranked set of universities and the highest ranked one that accepts you, you are bound to attend, but on a full ride. And I was thinking the other day about how, so you have to rank these schools. And I actually had ranked, I don't remember what all of them were, but it was like Yale, Brown, and then Penn. And I was laying in bed like the night before the deadline, actually. And I'm like, why, why, why would I want to, I don't know, why would I want to be in Rhode Island? I don't want to be in Rhode Island. I'm like, let me swap those real quick. So I swapped Penn above Brown. And then the rest is history. And the uh, course of my life has been drastically altered forever. <laughs> so that definitely, um, so you don't, yeah, I ended up obviously going to Penn. And yeah, that's how I ended up like kind of just changing my mind one night being like, I'd rather be in Philly than in like middle of nowhere, Rhode Island. And then I got to meet my best friends. And here we are now together doing this, um, which I think is really special. Okay, yeah. So we all came from regular working class, regular suburban America backgrounds. And then we all ended up at Penn, this elite Ivy League institution, probably the most pre-professional one given the existence of Wharton. And... I don't know about you guys, but I really felt the culture shock, especially not even, let's not even pretend first semester, first days um, when I got there about like what life is like between how I grew up and like the things that I knew and what it seems like every everybody else at school seemed to understand and know. Um, what jumps out for me really literally day one was how 
everyone already had groups to go to the Made in America concert festival in Philly. Hundreds, like the tickets are hundreds of dollars. I'm like, first off, where are you guys getting this money? Second off, how do you already all know each other? How do you have plans? What are you guys talking (laughs) about? I'm like, I don't know anyone here. I'm the first person from my high school to go to Penn. No one has ever in the history of my high school done this. Like, so that was right off the bat, a real big, like, I'm playing a different game now. Yeah. Did anything happen like that for you? I feel like a lot of... I mean, I guess I was kind of grateful, Haley, to have had you because we like partially knew each other. I agree. But not really. We just like grew up in the same area and then went to Penn. And so it was kind of like, okay, I know no matter what happens with all of these other people, there's at least one person I could relate to. And I think that that was like so, so, so helpful going into this thing where it's just like, I don't know. I feel like growing up, there were people that I, you know, there were people in my high school that were rich. And I was like, wow, they're rich. Like, I want to be like them. And then I went to Penn and I was like, they were never rich. These people make those people look poor. Like these people make what I thought was really rich look like low middle class. And it was just like such a a shock, I guess. But at the same time, it was like, I feel like it kind of fueled the, okay, well now I'm here. So now I have to like, I could I could do this, you know, if I really want to. And I think it was like kind of like a big break, right? Like it was like, this is my one shot at trying to get my life together. Get out. Like really get out. I I mean, I felt like that. Cue M&M's lose yourself. (laughs) One chance. No spaghetti on our sweaters. Um, (laughs) But we, Angela, I felt that too. Like we spent a lot of time together, like going out together and and all of that during our first weeks at Penn. because we knew each other, I think. And like, you know, we didn't even know each other more than yeah. we'd like never even spoken um, until the summer before Penn. But I just think when you relate to someone like that, you want to stick with them. Yeah. And I also felt like we both realized that we were both really normal people. Um, and I think a lot of the people we hung out with or in those early days at Penn were not normal people. Um, I'm thinking of one person in particular who was like pretty weird dude and he was like, you know, uh legacy. So his one of his parents had gone to Penn. I think both of them went to Penn. And he was like I remember the first day I met him, he was like, Yeah, I'm gonna be a doctor. Well, I don't think he's a doctor. He's not. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, it's super interesting, like reflecting back on that now, because a lot of the people who were legacies, I think, or who, I don't know, who I was like, these people are, I don't know, not my, not people I've grown up with, right? Like, this is very different. I don't think that they like succeeded in the way that we succeeded. What do you guys think about that? I think when you come where, from like where we come from, there's just, this like fire under you that is essentially like you need to succeed because you don't have another choice. And I feel like oftentimes for people like legacy, not to say that they don't work hard, like I'm sure they all work very hard and they're all very smart people. And that's like, like, I don't want to like trash them by any means. Um, But I think it's just different knowing that like you kind of have more of a fallback plan if things don't work out. You can't have a plan B <laughs> if you want to succeed in yeah. the ways that we had to at school. I mean, that's true. Like, I I don't know. No one was paying my rent for me. 
like when I graduated, no, I was not getting my rent paid for. I did not have a house to go back to. I needed to get a job. I needed to get a job to work. Um, and a lot of our peers like like went home during COVID. <laughs> and yeah, didn't have during to pay COVID rent. especially. Yeah. Uh, that's super significant. I worked as a waitress during COVID because my job didn't let me start yet and I had to somehow pay my rent. And then I was like looking at everybody else that we went to school with and they were just like vibing. <laughs> No, one thing that really jumped out at me, I was recently on a date in New York and I was talking to somebody that comes from a similar background, went to a similar kind of school and we were talking about college. And I said how stressful, they asked me how Penn was. I said it was an extremely stressful experience and they couldn't believe it. They're like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? College is supposed to be like fun. Like it's like not real. And I'm like, that is the difference. That is the difference. If you have a fallback plan, if you have that safety net, I bet college was really fun. And I'm like, I'm happy for you. <laughs> but for me, I'm like, this is the time and probably the only time I will have this much access to this many resources and this many opportunities. And I'm going to do absolutely everything to get everything out of this. And that was push myself to my max. And it worked out well enough. It worked out great. But I think people that have that uh, safety net like get to enjoy it in a very different way. As a, They get to see it as an enjoyable experience where you like explore self-growth. While we have to see it as something to maximize and get as much as you can out of it to like pull yourself somewhere else. I guess it's like – it's, you know, looking back on it – now it's kind of like the rose-colored lenses thing because I feel like I had – I don't know. I thought I really had a fun time in college. Like I enjoyed it. I think I worked hard, but I think I also like had so much fun and made like such great friends. And even though some of them didn't like come from the same background as me, I don't think that that necessarily like impeded our friendship. And I mean, I guess, yeah, sure. It definitely definitely. changes who you become friends with in the beginning. Like I went to Penn thinking I'm going to have all these friends that are going to fly me to their house in Italy on their private jet and it's going to be so great. And like then I realized that they simply don't want to be my friend because I I too don't have a private jet. So I cannot contribute anything to that friendship. But I do think I I came out of school with like a lot of friends from a lot of different backgrounds. And now, now that we're all adults, it's like, okay well, now we're all working or we're all in grad school or we're all doing these things. And I feel like it's just easier to relate at this stage. I mean, I think that's one of the tests that Penn put us through, which was the assimilation. Like, I mean, not pretending, but like, you know, being able to make friends with people who you honestly have nothing in common with, um, very little shared experiences with maximizing the shared experiences that you do have with that person. I mean, and being able to bridge the gap. Um, It's one thing to only be able to be friends with people who have similar backgrounds from you. And it's another thing entirely to be able to be dropped into an arena, so to speak, um, and make allies and come out of it on top, which I think we all did. And I know like a lot of people who didn't. Um, And I think that's really hard. And I think we obviously have a lot of privilege, all three of us, um, because, you know, we are white, we are pretty, like, we, like there are a lot of privileges that we had that other, you know, people from our backgrounds wouldn't have had. 
um, in, in navigating the, that whole society. Yeah. I guess one thing I wanted to say, um, just thinking about like going to school and seeing all these new like people and things. And there was, so, you know, like when you see everybody carrying, I mean, this happened to me twice. First, it was with the long shop bags. I saw this girl in my physics class and she had a bag with a horse on it on the little flap thing. And I was just like, what is that? Like, I don't even know what that is. So I remember going home and Googling like tote bag with horse and finding like the name of the bag. And of course I was like, okay, I'm asking for this for Christmas. And I like got one the next year, but it was like, I didn't even know what that was. And then a whole nother level, I started seeing the bags with the Y shaped pattern. And so I keep seeing it in all these different colors. I'm like, what is that? Like, I don't know what that is. And all these other people have one and they know what it is. And so then I Googled once again, like two years later, bag, tote bag with Y shaped pattern. And it was a Goyard and everybody, I felt like everybody knew like what that was and had them. But honestly, in hindsight, I feel like half of them were probably fake. But then once I knew what it was, I was like, okay, now like my goal is to go out in the world and get a job and buy myself one so that I can be like these people, which maybe that's sad, but and and did. I did. And then I went into the world and got a job and bought one and it was, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember seeing Canada Goose for the first time. I was like, what is that? I was like, what is that? What? What? Why they all have this seal on them? Um, or is it a goose? I don't know. Probably a goose. I think it's like Antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? what is this? And then I was like, how much is it? You guys are paying that much for a winter coat in Philadelphia, by the way. It doesn't even get Which cold. doesn't get that cold. I honestly, to this day, I'm like, that's a little ridiculous. It does not even get, it barely gets below freezing. Where are you from? <laughs> Have you never felt the air? <laughs> Sorry. If you have a Canada goose, I apologize. Um, I do think it's cute. I feel like you're personally targeting me, Haley. <laughs> I, I am. Because when I found out you got one, I was like, Angela, are you for real? <laughs> I respect it, though. I respect the drive, the hustle. Gotta respect the hustle. Gotta respect it. I mean, I bought, I don't know, we all buy things. I buy things all the time that I'm like, this is I, silly. I think you have to think it's stupid when you can't have it. You have to for your own <laughs> sake. But then once That's you can true. get it, then it's like, okay, fine. I'm now willing to play this game or I do think it's cute. And yeah, I think that's the only way to make it work. Yeah, definitely. Like I look at designer bags and I'm like, yeah, those are really cute. It's so silly though. Like the the bag systematically is not worth $4,000 of materials. And you can buy one without the brand that's just as cute for a lot less. Do I still want the bag? I do want the bag. I want it. So We're just girls. It's all about an internal... We're just girls. Just girls in this life. <laughs> just girls. I just I remember people at Penn acting a lot richer than they were. Um, I don't know if you guys experienced that as well. Say more. I think so like I, I think I just remember people like putting on a show, like putting on a front. Um and you know, finding out their parents were like doctors or something, but you know, they're talking about helicopters, they're paying everyone's tab at dinner, you know, and then Venmoing them later in secret. Um, I don't know. I remember that. I don't know if you guys had similar experiences. I don't remember, or I don't like clearly remember that kind of stuff. I remember just hearing insane things like 
having, I don't know, coffee or something with someone and then saying, I need to go so I can go and make dinner because it was the evening. And him saying, why is everyone going to make dinner? Like, why are you, why do you guys all cook? Like, I just order out every night. I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know what you mean that you don't understand why someone would be cooking dinner. It's because takeout costs a lot of money. Like, it's pretty simple. And also, that's like so bad for you, like eating out every night. (laughs) Julia, I remember a former, oh, it is bad. A former crush of Julia's. This man had a crush on her. I don't think it was reciprocal. I don't know. I'm like, who is this? I remember one time he he we were talking and he was like, I really respect that Julia, like she always brings a snack. Like she doesn't <laughs> go out and buy a snack. This is I'm dead serious. And I'm like just looking at this oh man my like God. Yeah, it's because she's such a hard worker. It's cause she's really prepares. Like he, he thought it was like <laughs> he thought you were just like very like you know frugal and determined or whatever i don't know hardworking. i'm like i absolutely uh, mapped out in my mind the <laughs> cheapest things to get at every single cafe in every corner of the campus i knew where i could eat so that i would not die of caloric deficit for the least amount of dollars and typically that came out to bagels with some cream cheese either in the cafe of van pelt or in steiny d Fuck Pret though. Pret expensive. Oh my god. Horrible place. Low value. Low value. value. I was just there the other day and I it reminded me of how low value it is. I like stopped in for a coffee and it was like four dollars for like a regular coffee. No, I get Bowie's uh, food truck on Penn's campus. Shout out to Bowie's Bowie sauce. You get an egg and cheese with mushrooms. Um, that was five dollars and it was like a huge hoagie. That would feed me for like two days. And I'd also get halal food. (laughs) So good. (laughs) I'd also get halal food and eat only half of it. Back when halal food cost $5, I'd eat half of it for one meal, half of it for the other meal. Now it's like $8. Mm -hmm. Seriously? It's like $9 in in New York. Oh, also, I don't know if you guys know this. Shocking food truck scene. Uh, Magic carpet is closed forever. Damn. That's crazy. Yeah. Happened a couple months ago. I went to get a cookie. And it was – they were, like, gone, like, done. They retired. So now where do you – That's a place where I never went because it was too expensive. Well – That was, like, a special was a treat. treat. That was a special treat. The cookies were such a treat. And they used to be a dollar. And then by the time they closed, they were $1.50. God. They had an egg salad sandwich, though. Or – no. That was another place there. That was another thing I'd get, though. It was $2. One of those little trucks there had an egg salad sandwich. All right, guys. So what were some like the craziest things that we got to do as a, ro- a result of going to Penn? So for one, like, let's just do this rapid fire. I lived abroad for six months for free. I went to the White House and the Pentagon. I also went to the Pentagon. I got a tour. Uh, I went abroad. <laughs> I worked at the State Department. I worked for my senator. I worked at a consulting firm. I didn't do... I went to, like, the Turkish Foreign Ministry. (laughs) I've been to the Turkish Foreign Consulate. I met President, Vice President Joe Biden twice. Wait, what the heck did I do? I met Amy Gottman. 
I got to do it. I got to do a speech in front of everyone. Oh yeah, you did. All the donors. That was great. That was great. That Thanks. was beautiful. I feel like I, I did. I guys, I don't think I did anything <laughs> that impressive. <laughs> what the heck? Um. Yeah, I got that job that one time. That was it. You ran a marathon. <laughs> I didn't even because my back gave out. So I only ran 20 miles. No. I ran a lot of half marathons. You know what you did get a chance to do, Angela? You got a chance to get back at an unnamed fraternity. Oh. You and Haley. So oh, that was so good. That was good. I, I do want to tell this story. Um, okay, so we're flashing back now to like sophomore year of college. Flashing back to sophomore year of college, it is like the first couple of days. We are young. We are hip. We are – now we know what, what's going on at this college. We're ready to have fun. And Haley and I are going to this party at this frat where we knew people. And we weren't in a sorority, but we like were friends with people in the frat. And so we go. And this like annoying – it's like the classic thing you see on TikTok. Take a lap. Get the out of here. Like – person on the front porch steps and so we're like no like we're no we know people were going in they're like no you have to take a lap so we're so mad we start angry walking on our lap and we run into one of the guys from the frat that we knew and he was like oh i'll just let you guys in the back door we're like all right fine so we go into their basement door like we were in the basement and the whole party was on the first floor and i remember we were just so viscerally mad at these people or at least I was. I don't know if you were, Haley, but I was, I was mad. So no, I was angry. mad. And so we are in their basement and nobody else is there with us now. And so we were like, how do we get revenge? And so I look at their sink in their basement <laughs> kitchen. I see a, like a full thing of dish soap. I'm like, you guys think you're washing your dishes tomorrow? No way. I poured their whole dish soap down the sink. <laughs> the whole bottle. Gone. I went in the fridge and I took out the yogurt and the meat, and I just put it on the counter. And I was like, "This will, this will show them. This will teach them." We thawed their their raw <laughs> chicken so that they couldn't ever eat it unless it was the next day. <laughs> As if they cook that yogurt was definitely Wait, bad. Now that I'm thinking about this, the funniest part is we did this like as if they cook and clean for themselves, but they probably neither cook nor clean for themselves. <laughs> What else do we do? I think we, we threw over a we broom. We took a mop out of the like bucket and threw it down the hallway. And then I think yeah. at the end there was a bike. And I remember being like, should we should we steal this bike? But then that felt like too far. And I also don't know how we would have gotten I it agree. out of there. I don't we did we not steal the bike. the bike. We did not steal the bike. But I thought about it. But my, my conscience said no. I think no. we discussed. We discussed for sure. And then I don't even think we ever went to the party. I think we just left. I think we left too. <laughs> We definitely left. In disgust. <laughs> we definitely left. I think maybe we made an appearance, but I think we left eventually. Yeah, that was a great that was a great night. So don't mess with us. Just <laughs> watch your dish. FYI. Soap. That was ridiculous. Oh, what a great memory. Another fun thing about school that was also crazy was okay, we had like spring fling. Oh yeah. And generally the party scene in in general, the ticket drop component. The fact that you had to log on at a certain time to pay $65 for tickets to either clubs downtown that they probably rented out for free because now as I've learned things, like you can just bring places, like people to places and you don't necessarily have to pay like minimum anything. 
what the hell? <laughs> yeah. What the hell? And we did it. We like fully contributed to the madness because you, you had, had no to. choice. To be on the social radar in any way, you had to be at these events and you had to be shelling over like 50, 60, 65 bucks or know people in in these orgs that would just add you to the Google sheet that was this ticket organization. And then you'd have to go pick up your wristband from MBA Cafe. And I was always so, so, so scared to walk in there because I was just, I felt like they know, they know I don't belong here. That is something I wanted to talk about. The like, that we don't belong here idea. Because Nepo babies, because America and because I feel like in the collective conscious, we have this idea of like destiny and like the heir apparent to different organizations or like social spheres. The Nepo babies feel like they are the ones that belong in institutions like that, in settings like that. And then people that work hard and earn it in whatever way, we are left to feel like we don't belong. But in reality, like we've worked the hardest or we are like still applying ourselves the hardest. And it's really like oxymoronic that we feel like we don't, that we are the ones that don't belong to be somewhere. I feel like that's honestly like a theme from like the, it's like a tale as old as time, right? Because didn't like, you know, the term nouveau riche, I feel like that was established like years yeah. and years and years ago. And it was about like how the like old rich people didn't like when like people would become like they would work hard and end up making something of themselves. And then it was still like, oh, well, now you have all these things, but like it's new for you. And so I feel like it's, it's like society's always had that, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. We call it new money now. I feel like it's crazy. It's like we live the American dream. We we did it. We came from little and I mean, with lots of help and support became something that people aspire to. Um, the flip side of that is that no one who is doing what we're doing want us to be there. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like the United, the US, like Europe, it's not a meritocracy. It, it's not. It's a class of people um, who are where there are. And if people rise up, that means people fall down. And I think that is they're trying to protect an in-group, right? That like it's hard to protect. It's hard to protect capital because you can make it. Yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, the Nepo baby thing, clearly we were not Nepo babies. I think I would have been a fantastic Nepo baby had I been one. I just feel like it would fit. I, I just feel like I'd just be so good at it. Um, but I do think that they're like, I don't know. I'm kind of always like, oh, well, maybe now like my kids can be Nepo babies. Like I want them. <laughs> Is that wrong? I want them to be Nepo babies. I guess maybe. I don't think it's wrong. I should want them to work hard. But I feel like in every generation, like in every family, there's somebody that does it. And then it makes everybody better that comes after them. And I feel like we did it for our families, you know. Yeah, time's a slippery slope, though, you know? I mean, I think the thing that I feel is that I constantly have to be doing it. And if I'm not doing it, I, I don't know what the point is where I'm going to be like, oh, I should, like, relax. Oh, I, like, don't need this, you know, this side hustle. Yeah. I don't need to be doing this. I don't need to be working as hard. And I think that's hard um, because, like, 
I don't know. I don't think any amount of money for me is going to be like, you've made it. I think that that's our greatest strength. I will I will say point blank. I think that's our greatest strength. Like we have full careers or like we're like Angela's like at an Ivy League medical school. And we were like, what side projects should we pick up with our time to better ourselves? We're like, let's start a podcast. Let's figure out how to talk about and share our experiences. I'm I'm constantly thinking about new hobbies to start and like new ways to like learn about things. And I think viewing it like that you're always on a hamster wheel that it's draining can be draining, but I think it can also be seen as like this fire inside that knows you can always be doing more, you can always be doing better, and it's actually like pushing you to be the best self, like your best self. And so I I think this drive to constantly be seeing what could be better for ourselves is actually really good. Yeah, I think that's true. I do worry about my kids, though. I worry that they won't know the value of a dollar. Like, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not, like, my kid's not getting a car without them earning the car. But does that, would that make me bad? No. I think that makes you reasonable. I'm just so unreasonable and would never have the strength that I know it's going to be a disaster, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's... Like the way I think about it or the way I might think about it if I have kids is, yeah, making them work for like some or all of the car is one thing. Another way to think about it is like maybe you do get them the car because it would enable them to go to an activity or to do something that does also teach them that. Right. And like if that's like robotics camp, like seriously, like this like rich people stuff that might be more worth it for their long term. So I don't know. It's a tricky question because I also feel the aversion to like kind of just handing over things that I had, I had to work so, so, so hard for knowing how valuable that experience was um, to kids. Yeah. Like our internships, for example, you know, we had, we earned super fancy internships in DC And I remember looking at the GW student housing, which a lot of our friends stayed at, which was fully like twice the amount of rent that we could afford. So Julie and I um, lived, shared a room in a frat house in the outskirts of DC. We shared, I had a twin bed. With a frame. Julia did not have a frame on her bed. So I had a mattress. Let's let's reframe bed to mattress on floor. Julia had a mattress. <laughs> um, and there was no air conditioning in D.C. in the summer. And we worked office jobs. And to get to my office job, I had to drive my car a mile, park a half a mile away from the train station, take a 40-minute train into the city. And the GW housing was a 10 minute walk away. How much easier did my peers have it that they could, you know, go to the GW housing and how much did that experience help me or hurt me? And would I be comfortable paying that amount so my kids could stay in the better housing? I mean, I think it's a hard question to answer because frankly, I'm fine. Um, and, and maybe it was better for me overall to have to do that. And like, do you remember that bus, Julia? Do you remember the bus? Yeah, the 
the metro line was down for a portion of the summer, so we had to take a bus instead into the city. <laughs> we had to wait. We had to wait for like an hour to get on this bus that would take us where we needed to go. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I think it's just hard. Yeah. Yeah. So Kelly true. Kelly Clarkson. So what are some of the things that you guys think being from our backgrounds has given us that other people from dissimilar backgrounds might not have? Like I, for one, think that we are able or I am, I'll speak for myself. I think I'm able to tolerate like embarrassment or shame or putting myself out there much better because you had to be like a huge advocate for yourself to put yourself into arenas where you weren't sure um, if you necessarily belong. Uh, So I think that's one. I also think like we're extremely resourceful. We're extremely creative problem solvers. Like if no one's going to come and help you and save you, like you need to figure that out yourself and you can make things work. And so I think being able to like be a huge creative problem solver and work with like very limited resources to identify what's actually most important and, and make things happen was something that I like, I'm so grateful that I can take away. I think for me, maybe this is like counterintuitive, but I feel like I kind of had this like, like mindset of, well, I don't really have that much to lose. Like by trying all these two things, like what simply, what do I have to lose? Nothing. So let me just try and do like all of these things, like this podcast, TikTok, school, not school, whatever, because I don't know. I feel like it just makes me more confident going into a lot of like interviews and opportunities to get these things because it's kind of like you just have this more of not like nonchalant, but I just kind of felt like like when I was trying to get my internship, I was like, ah, well, if I get it, I get it. If I don't, that's that. And like I just – I don't know. I feel like it's a good – it just like simultaneously makes you more like relaxed and I a hundred percent agree. It's just like I have nothing to yeah. lose, so let me just give everything my best shot and whatever. It gives you more confidence. Um I think the thing that I am proud of is that I I think that I have a gratefulness that I wouldn't have for my experiences. Um, just because I know how abnormal they are. I met biden twice during undergrad for like no good reason um i got to speak to a crowd of thousands on behalf of my class um and i think i was given opportunities that other people who grew up exactly like me were not given um and that's like hard it's like what did i do what did i do to do this and that they didn't do and now they're doing that and i'm doing this and i think it's a hard thing to hold but it's also um something that makes you confront the reality of your circumstances and feel grateful for them and i'm I'm grateful for that feeling because it motivates me and it keeps pushing me um because I'm like, I, so many people are like following me. Like I, I need to keep doing this. I can't let these people down. I can't squander the opportunities I was given and people paid for, um, you know, not financially, but like, you know, paid for a ticket, so to speak, like put resources into me, put time into me. Um, 
So I think that's something I'm grateful for. And I think that might round out the episode. Any final thoughts? I guess my one final thought is I think it's, you know, it takes hard work, but it also takes a lot of luck. And I think we all got lucky in a lot of ways. And so, yeah. 100%. It's been a ride. And honestly, thank God we weren't Nepo babies because could you imagine how powerful we would have been? Like, we're we're not (laughs) Nepo babies and we're still powerful. It's so true. It's hard to imagine myself as a Nepo baby. I would have done jack shit. (laughs) (laughs) I would have just had fun. (laughs) But now I get to have fun now. And like, that's what's great. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. It's another episode of Public Breakdown. Thank you. Uh, It's been a pleasure. If you're not already following us on Spotify, please give us a follow. Um, If you like this episode, please give us a rate. Um, And we're also on Instagram. And TikTok, both at Public Breakdown Pod. So drop us a line if there's something you want to hear us talk about. Otherwise, thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye. Bye.